Man, thank you, Leah and Jolene, uh, for leading us. And uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so good to be back together again today. And uh, here on Wednesdays, as we seek to unite around wisdom, teaching that instructs, we're continuing in our theme of uh, life in the Spirit. And as we just sung, I was just prompted by this scripture to really kind of set up the time as Nina comes up to speak and uh, before I introduce her, that we can know the heart of God and we can know the heart of God um, because of the Spirit. Um, he says that uh, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. But these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. And so this morning we get to hear from a spirit-filled vessel, Nina, Nina Barnes, who has been here for, at Northwestern for 18 years in three different departments in five different roles. So a high spirit-led connectivity across different departments, staff and faculty and students over the years. Um, and uh, uh, currently uh, serving in the role as vice president overseeing all student life. And so uh, I'm deeply grateful uh, to have her come and to share with us. So would you give a warm uh, welcome to Nina? And uh, would you extend a hand out toward her and a hand up as we pray for her and for ourselves? Father, as we just sung that prayer that we want to know your heart, I am grateful that that is possible um, through the person and the work of Christ and through the work of the Spirit in us to make that known to us. And I am so uh, confident this is one here, one of your daughters who knows your heart. And I pray that as she shares that you would give her understanding, unction, and utterance to be a pure channel of your grace as she speaks about the things that have been freely given to her and revealed to her by the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And may you dwell in us now. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring us out of the familiar and that you would truly ravish our hearts with your love that you would shed abroad within us by the spirit. So God, we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do in and through Nina and how our hearts will be changed and transformed from hearing your word through your servant and your daughter. Lord, we love you and we surrender to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Justin. And thank you, Leah and um, Jolene, for choosing the songs that you chose this morning. I have been so excited about the thought of being with you when Justin invited Paul and I to, to speak and to share this week. I couldn't think of a topic that I was more energized by and that I could be in partnership with Paul around this topic because he is a person that I know pays attention and like all of us imperfectly follows but his heart's desire is to follow. And so he's taken us on a journey these past few days, um, Monday beautifully taking us through from creation forward reminding us that the Spirit of God didn't show up at Pentecost, that the Spirit of God has been creating and part of the community of the Trinity from the very beginning. 
always with us. But what's special now is God in us. That throughout the, the old covenant, the first covenant, the Holy Spirit came and rested on people. But the Holy Spirit lives in us. So take that in. That the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That we have not only Emmanuel, God with us, when Jesus came to earth for God so loved the world that he sent his son and Jesus came and as the message Bible says took up residence lived in the neighborhood but Jesus said it was better for him to go because the Holy Spirit could be with us and I can only imagine that the people who heard Jesus say that couldn't imagine it how could that be possible that would actually be better for Jesus to not be with them I mean, I can't imagine somebody that I love and I trust saying that to me, that it'd be better for me to be gone. But it's because Jesus knew what was ahead. So what I want to talk about this morning is what was Jesus paying attention to right before the end of his earthly ministry? Have you ever had a visit with somebody and you've been enjoying the visit, but you know that the visit is about to come to an end? And so we can almost get desperate for, we've just got this last few hours together, or this is the last day of our vacation together. And so you want time to slow down. And you want to get in all the words, like everything that I want to share with this person. Part of helping a person leave this earth, end of life ministry, hospice nursing, Hospice care is helping a person transition from this life into eternity well. And part of that is helping them to say what they need to say to their families. Helping families not leave anything left unsaid. So what was Jesus paying attention to at the end of his earthly ministry? In John 13... John records what we call the Last Supper. It's the Passover meal. And Jesus is carrying out the rituals of that meal, but he's also doing some teaching in that and changing things up. But part of what he taught in that last meal was about serving. But he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. That's what was on his mind. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Not the miracles that they perform in his name, but the love that we have for one another proves that we're his disciples. Not that we can win an argument, we should be theologically sound, but a theological argument is not the answer to the world knowing that we're followers of Christ. It is our love for one another because that catches people's attention, especially people who disagree. When we can come together, even when we disagree in love, it catches people's attention. So Jesus gives this new commandment to love one another. 
And then recorded in John 14, he promises the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. What commandment? The one he had just given. Love each other, just as I have loved you. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But soon the world will no longer see me, but the world will see you. And you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Again, the commandment was the new commandment, to love each other. And Jesus refers to that commandment all throughout this last part of his earthly teachings. He said, I don't have much more time to talk to you. I'm going to read that passage again using the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible takes the Hebrew and the Greek, and it breaks it down into what particular word was used, where in English there may be one word, for instance, the word advocate. It breaks it down. I have told you these things while I'm still with you, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and on my behalf will teach you all things. So my peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give you, not as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let your hearts be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. And that can seem impossible. For every challenge, Jesus, in every circumstance, we can have calm and peace. But that's the promise. Now notice the promise wasn't that we're going to have a worry-free life. That wasn't the promise. The promise is that we'll have a peace not like the world gives. So as we continue on with Jesus' teachings in John 15... He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. In some translations, the word is abide. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we know we can get a lot of stuff done. But when he's saying we can do nothing, nothing that's fruitful, nothing that has eternal consequences, 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. He goes on, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Do you see how much it's repeating? Because it's important. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a slave doesn't confide in his slave. A master does not confide in his slaves. No, you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. And then in John 16... John records Jesus saying, there is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak on his own. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you everything he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and will make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. This is his theme. Love one another. That's his commandment. And to trust that the Holy Spirit will be with us, guiding us, interceding for us. That was Jesus' main message as he's completing his earthly ministry. He says again in this passage in John 16, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I've told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. And if you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. And then he says, come, let's be going. So we can see the focus that Jesus had. So what does that have to do with us right now? Well, we need to be paying attention. So what does it practically mean, life in the spirit? What does that mean? 
Well, we can read all through scripture about people who did what seems impossible. On their own, how did they do it? Jesus healing at the request of an enemy. A Roman officer. We read that in Matthew 8 and we read it also in Luke. Jesus forgiving those who mocked him. As he's taking his last breath, he's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How can he do that? How can he, when he's weeping to the point of blood flowing from his pores, accept that this is what he's been asked to do? How do you do that? Followers of Jesus, as we read in Acts, selling all their possessions. Now, you know we don't give up stuff easily. So selfish human beings from different nations and people groups coming together, selling their stuff and sharing everything they have. That is supernatural. How did they do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. People who endured persecution to risk sharing the good news. Stephen forgiving while he's being stoned. Ananias obeying God and going to speak to Saul of Tarsus, who's been persecuting Christians. And the Holy Spirit comes to him and tells him that there's a man that he's given a vision to, Paul of, Saul of Tarsus, go to him and tell him. And Ananias is reminding God, well, you do remember he's killing us, but he took the risk. He trusted God. And he went and talked to Saul, and we know the rest of that story. Peter risking his reputation and his safety, risking what he's been taught, his theology, when he gets this vision on a rooftop recorded in Acts 10. And he goes into the house of a Roman officer, which makes him automatically unclean. But he risks that. Because the Holy Spirit told him to go. The result of that, Cornelius, the Roman officer, and his entire household come to faith and are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a risk. This life is not safe. A life in God is not safe. And we're not promised safety. In this world, we will have tribulation. But take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. But we're not promised an easy life. We're not promised safety. But what we are promised is the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 24-7. In us. So we sang that song. We prayed a dangerous prayer when we sang that song. About desiring God. Because do we really? Sometimes we sing songs and we pray prayers and sometimes it's aspirational, and that's the place to start. Because mentally, we're not there yet. Our heart may be there. And then when we take that step and we're in the middle of it, it's scary. Now, for those of you who have been here for a while, you know that I am a flag-waving Lord of the Rings geek. Proud of it. It's a beautiful allegory. I know, these are my people. Whoever's clapping, you're my tribe. But what, what I love about the story is the pictures that it gives us about God. 
I mean, that's what an allegory does. It gives us a way of seeing a story in a different way, a greater truth in a different way. So when Paul was taking us through the story, the grand story of God on Monday, I kept flashing to different scenes in the Lord of the Rings. And there's a scene, if you've watched the movie, read the book, it's in the Fellowship of the Ring where one of the characters has taken on this quest. And he's had this fellowship of people around him. People who have pledged to be all in with him. But one by one, this fellowship starts to break apart. And he's on his own. And he's got this guide with him. And he says, I wish it need not have happened. I wish that I didn't have to do this. And this wise guy tells him, we don't get to choose the times that we live in. But what we do get to choose is what we do with the time that we're given. So what do we do with the time that we're given? What do we do with this one life? We have one life to steward. One life. And we don't know how long that life will be. So what do we do with the life that we've been given? How do we live a life in the spirit? I think about people, people that are heroes in the faith for me. In these times, or in times post-biblical times. And I think about Harriet Tubman, who you might not think right away as a hero of the faith. But Harriet Tubman was a, a slave who escaped. She escaped slavery, she reached north, and she could have said, wow, I made it. But she didn't go there. She said, I'm going back. And she made 19 return trips to the south. And she helped deliver 300 fellow slaves to freedom, boasting, I never lost a passenger. She was nicknamed Moses. But her strength and her purpose, her intentionality came because of her faith. She said, I always told God, I'm going to hold steady in you. And I know you're going to see me through. A fellow abolitionist said of her, she listened carefully to the voice of God as she led the slaves north. And she would only go where she felt that God was leading her. And this man, Thomas Garrett, said, I've never met a person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God. One of her prayers that was recorded, she said, Oh, dear Lord, I said I ain't got no friend but you. Come to my help, Lord, for I'm in trouble. Anna Gooch was the first Northwestern graduate in 1904. She sailed to Burma and served as a missionary, not knowing what was ahead. Mother Teresa devoted her life to living and ministering among the poorest of the poor in the slums of Calcutta, giving up a comfortable life. If you were here in chapel on Friday, you saw the video of people connected to Northwestern. The Udarian Missional Center is named for Roger Udarian, who was one of the five missionaries killed in Ecuador. Now, his, their family stayed and ministered for years to the same group of people who had murdered their loved ones. Who does that? How do you do that? The power of the Holy Spirit. Mary Johnson spoke in chapel maybe last year, the year before, 
she came here and spoke with us about adopting the man who murdered her son. Who does that? Somebody who's following the Holy Spirit. The family members of the murder victims in the 2015 Charleston church shooting, who through tears streaming forgave Dylan Roof, the man who had shot their loved ones in the church. Martin Luther King Jr., who survived one assassination attempt, but continued to minister, even though he knew others were seeking his death because he believed it was a call on his life, founded in the gospel. Some of you in this room have prayed for an enemy, somebody who's betrayed you. Some of you have risked rejection from family or friends to obey a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have surrendered a good desire to follow an invitation from Jesus. A coworker that I love dearly recently left her job here, a job that she called her dream job because she accepted another invitation from the Lord. Some have risked being misunderstood. Some of you are currently misunderstood because of your faith, and you're risking that. Some of you have had your hearts broken, but you're risking loving again because you're hearing from God. I want to be clear, the Holy Spirit will never contradict what you see in Scripture, ever. So when you're following God, when you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, have people in your life, don't, this is not something to do on your own. Have people that you trust, people who are wise, people who seek God. Have them discerning with you. Test what you believe that you've heard based in Scripture, but make sure you're looking at the entirety of Scripture. So having people around you who know scripture well, that's key. And be prayerful. Spending time with God. So I want to I wanna close our time with thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. So I wish that the fruit of the Spirit were actually a gift of the Spirit given to us. So we read about spiritual gifts. The fruit of the Spirit, is that's not what that is. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit that is revealed because of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. So it's not optional. I don't get to say, oh, so sorry, I didn't get the spiritual gift of patience. I didn't get that one, or kindness or self-control. We don't get to opt out of any of those, unfortunately. So I want to end with a prayer it's a book of prayers, prayers, some people call them prayer poems, but this is a prayer for the Holy Spirit's presence. O oh Lord, turn your spirit loose now, and me with it, that I may go to where the edge is, to face with you the shape of my mortality. Facing those limits, Lord, grant me peace, to live to the limit of being unflinchingly alive, irrepressibly alive, fully alive, of experiencing every fragile, miraculous moment 
every beautiful ounce of being a human being, of doing my duty and a little more, of loving the people around me, my friends and my enemies, of humbling myself to take care of others and take them seriously and delightedly, of applying my heart to the wisdom of simplicity and the freedom of honesty. Oh God, turn your spirit loose here and us with it, that we may go to where the silence is, to face with you the utter mystery of questions without answers. Facing the mystery, Lord, grant us grace to wrestle with it until we name the fears and force them to set us free, to move on with whatever limp we're left with, to wrestle with it until the pain teaches us and we befriend it, to wrestle with it until we go deeper in it to gratitude for the shapes of wholeness and of the hope that blesses us. Oh God, turn your spirit loose now and us with it, that we may go to where the darkness is to face with you the uncertainty of tomorrow, of what might happen, of what will happen, of what could happen to us, our loved ones, to our job, our relationships, to our country. All that we cannot see, all that we would prevent but cannot, and so must accept as possibilities. Facing the uncertainty, Lord, grant us grace to look at it directly and openly and truly, to laugh at it with crazy faith in the crazy promise that nothing can separate us from your love, to laugh for the joy of it, the joy of saving surprises that also stir us in the darkness. And so we trust, despite the dark uncertainty of tomorrow, in the light of our todays, we trust in the cross and in a kingdom coming and so we move on and pray on with Jesus, our friend and our redeemer. We thank you, Lord.